Blog Talk Radio. Welcome this afternoon to uh, NJS Bay's uh, podcast program, Conversations on New Jersey Education, a program designed to give you uh, uh, meet educational leaders and those involved in the educational field on issues that are important to all of us in the education community. Uh, today we'll be talking about school security, which I think everyone feels is a top priority. Um, with me uh, are two individuals who will be focused on the relationship between a school district and the local law enforcement. First, from the, they're both from Maple Shade, from uh, the chief of police for the Maple Shade community, uh, Gary Gubby. Uh, welcome, Gary. Thank you. Uh, and also, we have the superintendent from the school district of Maple Shade, Beth Norsha. Welcome, Beth. Hello, everybody. I'm happy to be here. Great. Um, just for those people who are not familiar with Maple Shade, Beth, just tell us a little bit of the size and the demographics of your school district. Sure. Um, I'll first talk about our building structure because it is a little bit unique um, from other areas in the state. Um, but we educate about 2,200 students in, in four school buildings, uh, grades K to 12. Um, we have one kindergarten through second grade building. Uh, another one of our schools has third and fourth grade. Um, our other building is fifth and sixth grade. And then we have a junior senior high school, which is in one building, and um, we educate students in grades seventh through twelfth. And like I said, that is a unique situation. There's not many high schools um, that educate 7th through 12th in one building. On average, um, we have about 45% of students on free and reduced lunch. Um, About 60% of our students are Caucasian, 20% are Hispanic, uh, 15% African American, and the remaining 5% are of Asian descent. Okay. And uh, Gary, how big is square miles is is, uh, Maple Shade? We're approximately three and three-quarter square miles with a population of roughly 20,000. Okay. Um, and I should, for those who don't know, Maple Shade is also in Burlington County. Um, uh What's your police presence in your school? Uh, Gary, And maybe you should go. Uh, well, we how have, many police officers, or do you have police officers in the school? Yes, we have uh, 38 police officers sworn, full sworn for the for the township. Uh, we have one that's currently assigned to the school, as far as uh, school resource officer that is being paid for by the Maple Shade Board of Education, um, and that person's assigned there throughout the school season, uh, five days a week. And in the summertime, when school is closed, that person comes back to the township. And we try to do some of the in-service training that we have to get done with the officer. And also we put them out on a bicycle to do more of the community policing. Because what better that's the, than that officer walking, riding the streets knows the kids. And the police, the SRO works for uh, the police department under your jurisdiction? Correct. Okay. Correct. Uh, and, and then uh, they, they report with Beth and all that. You know, they deal with uh, with the school board a lot. Okay. And and I I think we probably should emphasize that, that this is a collaborative relationship where there's constant communication between both the the law enforcement, the local police department, and the school district on a pretty regular basis. Yeah, I would say on a daily basis, too. Yeah, okay. Um, And do you have any other police? uh, I think uh, on the rounds, do they stop in in the schools on a regular basis? Yes, what we have here in in our – 
in the town we have like a sector area responsibility that the officers are assigned to. And any one of the four schools that are in that sector, the officer's tour of duty is to walk through the schools periodically, stick their head in. They may go there in the morning or the afternoon when the kids are entering school or, or departing school, or they may go there through their shift to walk the schools or check also on the doors. We try to encourage the officers to try to enter the doors uh, to see if there's a faulty mechanism with that, and then we report that to the principal and then ultimately to the superintendent. They address the issue to make sure that the school is tight. Uh, before I go on to the question for Beth, I should, if anyone wants to ask a question, they can dial 1-347-989-8904 and just press the, the uh, number 1, and Mike, who is working our uh, switchboard, will take your question in your name. Uh, and also, we have a chat room available. You have to log in with Blog Talk Radio to do that, but there is not a fee for that. Uh, and then you can just type in the question. I'll pass it on to our guests. Um, Beth, Gary and I had talked a, a, one other time, uh, but I want your perspective as an educator. Uh, when I was in school, uh, which was a little while ago, uh, <laughs> and we saw the police in, in the building, it was like a problem. You know, we... We didn't. It could all. It could only be negative. So, how mm-hmm. is it now, though, with this? Because it seems like they're there on a pretty regular basis. Right, and because uh, you know they're on a regular basis, and I think Gary has kind of instilled this community policing uh, atmosphere in the town. You know, staff love seeing the police. Um, some of our police officers have graduated from our schools, so it makes it even a little bit more special. Um, but they make them feel safe and. Um, because of the positive relationship, I, I feel that our staff almost think as the police is just an extension of our educational community, so that we're all one and we're in this together. Um, so, you know, they'll talk candidly with the officers, they'll ask questions, um, and the officers feel so welcome that they'll walk in the classrooms and they'll talk to the, the staff and, and the kids, and um, it's just a warm feel. And, uh, Gary, does, is this good for the police, too, not just for keeping the kids safe, but is this good for the police department to have this relationship with the, the school? 100%. Beth and I talk about that all the time. Uh, we have meetings periodically where we get together and go out to lunch or something like that, and we'll talk about the relationship. I think it's been great. The officers enjoy it. I know at first when we started doing it, you always have somebody who's apprehensive you know, with doing it, but uh, as they get get into it they really enjoy it and i would imagine now do you as you work through this um you can say there's an emergency do the or do you make sure that the police now that they're coming in so often that they're familiar with the building so they might be a time saver if there's an incident they know where the the, the gym is they know where the cafeteria is they know where everything is 100 percent and there's even spots that none of us even knew about until we started dealing with beth and her employees to show us little areas and also we do uh active shooter uh, training in there, and we participate with Beth and her staff as far as doing the drills. Okay, and, and in terms of the collaboration, uh, how do you work out the financing of this? I know you, uh, in your instance, the, the SRO is uh, built, uh, is uh, paid for by the uh, school district, but are there any costs that maybe the, the police department takes on training or equipment or something? No, and yeah, I, I know well, Beth can elaborate a little bit more with the shared services. Beth, you want to jump in on that? Right. Sure, yeah. So, And we do share the cost of the SRO. We, we do 
pay a lump sum, if you will, but it's not necessarily that salary or benefit costs of that officer. So um, currently we've had the same SRO for the last three years, but previously we could have a more experienced officer. Um, so it's, it's kind of a, a lump sum payment. Um, but you know, we do a, such a great job in Mapleshade um, through the township buildings and the schools and everybody that um, of shared services. It's like a give-take relationship. So when we pay for trainings or we pay for equipment, um, you know, Gary and I talk and we see what's fair. Um, and just to give you a, an example of one of our shared services, um, we don't pay overtime for any of our football games or our basketball or soccer um, games because we have an agreement with the township that we manage their website um, and pay f and do the trainings and um, to all the officials that would use that website, and we keep it up to date. So that's kind of the give-and-take relationship um, of one of our shared services. Wow. I didn't know that part. So, um, But this all started probably a, a, you know, a while ago. So, but does it just yeah. start in building a relationship, coming together and talking and looking at some issues and slowly building each year on stuff? Yeah, I mean, I, I do believe that, yeah, and it started probably, you know, in the beginning, um, is trying to be consistent. So if the, our ministers are meeting um, once a month, we try to include the police officers, and it might be the SRO at the time, and maybe the juvenile detective, maybe the chief or the captain that would come in, and they talk to us about what they're learning, what they're seeing, um, ways that we could help, and we probably don't meet as often in that form, but it's because we have an SRO that, you know, I will probably touch base through email or phone calls or face-to-face -face daily. Um, and then the chief and I catch up and um, there's so many different other members of the police that we see so often. Um, sometimes it's just kind of those drive-bys and say, Hey, how can we help? What are we doing? Um, you know, but it started more formal in the beginning for sure. And now it's much more, not much more informal, but there's an informal continuous uh, contact to keep the relationship uh, and the focus uh, together. Yeah, because yes. it's comfortable. It's comfortable and it's built right. on trust. So, um, you know, they trust us and what we're doing every day and their decision and our decision making. And we trust them and their decision making. Uh, I want to add one thing. We talked about the uh, school resource officer, the SRO, uh, and we're doing this in terms of security. Uh, but uh, Gary, I'll start with you. The SRO was not when they came about it was not at all about security it was about other areas can you just tell us what the role because it's much more expansive than just being a like a security guard well the sro besides doing all the stuff in the school uh if there's an investigation they got to do a juvenile petition or all the sro is all the way involved with that all the way through the courts um there's just so much more in that that field i know that we have taken it a little bit further than a lot of other agencies, and we're dealing closely with our prosecutor's office to to roll out some other programs within the county. So, and Beth will even tell you that RSORO is definitely hands-on, has a lot of knowledge within the schools. The kids confide in, in her. It's a female right now, and confide in her with things. And we're getting a lot, a lot of information, a lot of positive stuff that's coming out of that. Beth, do you want to follow up uh, from the, the school district's perspective on the, the role of the SRO? 
Sure. So, you know, daily she's just in the school. She's, you know, uh, visible to the students. Um, they have a nice relationship with her. Same thing as with staff, that they can just ask her questions, they can talk to her. Um, but she's even helped us out in things like parent meetings. When we're having a challenging student, challenging family, she offers an outside perspective than the educator would. Uh, so, And she has a nice balance between that. And, and she can talk about, you know, if you continue down this path, what will happen on the legal side. You know, we talk about what would happen on the school side, but she has that different perspective. And I think it opens up a lot of people's, um, you know, eyes to what could happen if, if they, they continue on that, that path, where we're, we're only usually speak from, you know, the education side. So she's there. Um, she meets with a lot of families, and some of it is informal. Um, and some of it's more formal, unfortunately, in, in terms of charges. Um, but she's, she even goes down to the elementary. She's in the classrooms. They all know her. She reads to them at times, you know, when she has some time available, but she's very busy. A goal of ours would actually to add additional SRO down the line. Um, you know, that's something that Gary and I have talked about. That's probably a need for our, even in, in our only four schools, it's a need to have somebody else. And would that, if you were looking at it, it would be someone who might go around to the other schools? Because the SRO is probably in the, the high, well, it's a middle school, high school together. Uh, is that where she spends, you know, 95% of her time? It does where she spends a lot of her time because um, the need is there. But there's definitely a need for, for the younger schools, too, to get that comfortable feeling at an early age. So um, so it would be, but I guess my vision would be that they would share that time because you just don't want them to get used to one person, just like we don't want them to get used to one teacher. Um, we want them to get both used to both SROs. And Gary, how long have you had a SRO in Maple Shade? I know you've been there for a, a long time. Well, in the full-time role, the way it is right now, since 2010. Okay. All right, that's a pretty long time. Um, mm-hmm. So, uh, and I guess through the conversations, both both sides feel that there's a strong benefit to this, not just for security, for for a host of reasons uh, that an SRO is very uh, beneficial and worth them investing in. Yes, I I yeah. believe so, and I I think it's a win-win for everybody. Okay, I want to go on because Gary, you did mention uh, the drills. How do you guys work together on the drills? Uh, who does you know? I know you have to do drills. Uh, how does that work in the Maple Shade? What we try to do is we sit down with uh, with Beth and get some um, ideas of dates. We try to work it out, and obviously with staffing, and set it up that way. And then what we'll do is we'll go to the school. And we'll work with Beth and her administration, and we'll do uh, we'll do different drills. You know, we do them throughout the community, the school. Uh, this year, we're going to reach out and do it in the churches, and uh, and some businesses. So, it it's been great. I I don't know. I can't say one negative thing about this. Okay, um, and I think uh, in talking to you earlier, you, your police do also walk around buildings on the, you know. Uh, fairly regular basis checking the exits and the entrances and the windows and the doors and all that stuff uh, just to make check the security of the building from an out, from a outsider's perspective. Yes, and that's what I when I started out and I'm sorry if I alluded to anything there but what what we try to do is when we first started out is we would send the officers up there and we asked the principals in the schools please don't let the police officer in the school Beth has been uh, gracious enough to give us access cards where any of the officers, they can get into them schools if they need to be in the school. 
Um, so we go around, and they may tug on a door. They may tug on a window to make sure they're secured properly or if there's an issue. So then what the officer will do is they'll go in, they'll talk to the principal, and let them know that, you know, the door on the south side of the building, it, the latch doesn't grab right to get in. The principal then contacts their maintenance. Maintenance comes out, addresses the issue, so the next time they come around, they can't get in. So this way, if anybody in a intruder were to try to get in, they're going to have to force their way through the door, so to speak, then find a loophole in it and, and open in a door that's not secured properly. They'll have to go in the way that everybody's supposed to go in. Okay. Um, now, you've formed this relationship. Uh, how would you character? I mean, if 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 a school district and a municipality and a law enforcement don't have a good relationship, uh, does that make school security that much more difficult, in your opinion? Yes, 100%. It's tough. Uh, prior to Beth coming in, and you know there was a superintendent who was there who was a nice person, but uh, the communication wasn't as free flowing as what it is with Beth and myself. So what I would do is I would just make ultimate surprise visits, stop in and say, hey. You know how things going. This is what we like to do. How can we work together? It was a he was a quiet individual. Like he didn't come to reach out to us. We had to reach out to him. But then we eventually opened the door. And then Beth came in, and it was like a breath of fresh air. And you know I tease Beth all the time. It's been a great, great relationship. She has a question. She asks if we have a question. We ask, and we always come down uh, and meet in the middle and get things resolved. It's It's been a great relationship. And she's learned a lot by it, by doing different things, by seeing the police side of it, which we have learned from the educator side of it. Beth, do you agree with that? Oh, absolutely. I, and I'm just thinking of one of the things that we've done, and we would never think so. So we, you know, during, um, you know, our training drills, one of the things the police brought to us is that in case of an emergency, um, even though their officers do go through our schools on a, a regular basis, in, in terms of an emergency could happen and, and maybe some of the night guys get pulled in and we're talking about an area of the school and we say, well, you know, something's happening in C-Wing. Well, our, our educators know what C-Wing is, but say our police doesn't. Um, one of the things that we have on the bottom of all our schools is a color. So the hallway may be, you know, a pink or whatever the color it is, but there is a band of, say, orange around C-Hall, and there is a red band on the bottom of B-Hall, and there is on A-Hall yellow. So what we then can identify to the police is they're in orange hall, and they don't have hmm. to look at, at little tags. They just look quickly along the band on the bottom of the hallway, and that's something that the police brought to us. We would never think that because it's our buildings, and we know what A hallway is versus B hallway. So they're the little things that we brought together. When they bring it to us as a suggestion, um, you know, we make it happen because it's important that when if something were to happen in one of our schools, our police are comfortable, they know where they're going, and they know that they can get there quickly. Wow, that, that's a so it's important that everyone's on the same terminology, uh, and that's part of the communication. Yes, mm -hmm. correct. Yes, uh, Gary, I know some districts have done class three officers, and you don't have a class three. Is it because your the geography of your community is such, and that you can keep the regular rounds going for your police I, department that they can stop in a school, so it's not as much a necessity in your district as it might be in a, a district that's more expansive. Well, I don't want to say so much of a necessity. I know it's something that Beth and I have just talked, you know, just skimmed over a little bit. Uh, I mean, I know we do a good job, but 
I don't know if there's an advantage by us having somebody full-time. I mean, it may be an advantage. Um, right now, we're, we're good with the way things are going through the school. It would be nice to have that feature. Don't get me wrong there. Um, it's just like, you know, with our, our SRO that's in the school all the time down there. But I don't think just one officer in that school or any school is, is the answer to any of the problems. Right. Okay, and uh, and as we said before, and Beth, you kind of alluded to it, um, uh, the SRO, you know, we, we're all looking at kind of creating the fortress and making things safe, but the SRO, uh, as, along with all your teachers, probably can see the, uh, the, the, the students who might be having some issues and might be uh, uh, we uh, looking for an outlet, feeling left behind. Is that where there's a collaboration between maybe the SRO can, uh, as you were saying before, the SRO can help you in that area. Absolutely. And like I said, that our, our staff feel not only our SRO, but the other police officers are an extension of our community, our educational community. So it, it's a team effort. So if they're talking with the family, they're both going to bring up valid points to help them. And it's not necessarily on the police side or the school side. You know, we've learned so much from each other, so we can almost speak on the other side at times. Um, but she's, you know, like I said, she's a she right now, but she has been in, in countless meetings um, and is a valuable tool for parents. Uh, I just want to shift one thing. I know you don't have class three officers, but for, I didn't say this in the beginning, but um, Gary is also the president of the New Jersey Association of Chiefs of Police. Uh, and there's been much talk about people having armed guards, class three officers, uh, or uh, you know, maybe their own security system. Uh, and I know that the Police Chiefs Association uh, is supportive of the Class 3. Why would they support a Class 3 over a private armed uh, security system? Well, there's a, a, a litany of things with that. Obviously, if you hired a private security outfit to come in, they are not under the auspice of the police department as far as the powers and all that stuff. Um, the police officers... The class threes go into the school. They would train with the regular officers. They would know the policies and procedures. They may know the community well. And if something were to go sideways, they would know how the responding officers and the responding officers would know how they would act in that situation. A, a private company, nobody would have a clue as to what's going to happen in there. So the, and the class three, so you, from your perspective, it's a more uh, collaborative relationship uh, and, and a more better communication because the class three would be uh, uh, listening to the local police department, not on their own. One hundred percent, and also working with the school. You got to have that that marriage between the school and the police department. And by having that those class threes with the police and the school, that's invaluable it, compared to a private armed security coming in and uh, not knowing how things are going to go. And then also the officers responding don't know who they are. You know, if somebody's got a gun in the school, just use that as a hypothetical. We wouldn't mm. know who those individuals are. Oh, okay. Yes, I, I could see that being an issue. Um, okay, I just wanted to put that out there because I know that your association, and I should have mentioned it earlier that uh, Gary is president of the New Jersey Association of Chiefs of Police, uh, and they actually worked on that uh, legislation, as did NJSBA, and at least forming that the Class 3 officer as an option for districts, um, which is what we like. Uh, for both of you, um, 
I'll start with you, Beth, on this one. Uh, if a say you're a school district, you're a superintendent, or even the police chief, but you haven't really been working together. How do you get that started? Yeah, I mean, I think my advice would be take the time to meet with each other, share perspectives, um, kind of get a feel on where each is coming from, and then I think you have to have at least start with monthly meetings and and bring up real issues that are happening um, and see if you can solve them together. And it doesn't just have to be the superintendent and the police chief, but uh, my advice would be to bring your teams together and um, – you know, that's one of the things I think we've learned from each other is that if I come to the table in the very beginning, I wouldn't just come with me. I'd come with my administrative team, and, and Gary would bring his team. Um, so there's a lot of different people that already are getting buy-in because they they see Gary and I's relationship, and then they all form a relationship too. So um, if you talk to my principals, they would say the exact same thing that I'm saying. You know, they feel comfortable around the police. They're so glad that they're there, um, and you know, and I would think that the police would say the same thing about our principals. Well, I, I I agree with you, Beth. There, hundred percent. I feel everybody has a a comfort zone around each other. And and a big thing too, Ray. Just so you know, Beth mm-hmm. used to be a principal at one of our schools. And when she got moved to being superintendent, it was somebody who came from within within the school district. They didn't come from outside. So I already had a relationship with Beth prior to her becoming superintendent. I dealt with her when we went to the schools because we were pretty we had a pretty active role in the schools. And and do you agree with that, Beth? I mean that helped a lot a- for this to go on. Absolutely. hmm I agree. Oh. So if uh, but if, if someone came from the outside, I I guess it would start informally the first few times, just having conversations, maybe a cup of coffee, maybe a light lunch, uh and talking about the the district and the, some of the issues and then building from there. That, that, right, and talking about goals, yeah, you know, sorry, uh, goals you want to see happen together. You know, we're, when mm-hmm. we talked about things, it did center probably in the beginning when we, you know, all had to do the active intruder drills. Some of our conversation was around that a lot. It was about how we're going to roll this out, who's going to talk to who, is there, is the police going to have a presence during these drills that we have, you know, once a month and twice a month, are they going to be there? And, and they still are. So that's another thing that when we have not only our trainings, but, um, you know, if the high school's having a drill this month and, and our SRO is aware of that, some of the guys from the police station on their shift, they'll come in as well and watch it happen. And then we'll be able to talk about, like, what what, what went well, what did not go well, um, and and then what can we put in place to improve next time. So it's constantly communicating and seeing what else we can do. And it's not like a gotcha. It's not, oh, look, they, they, this person didn't have their door locked or, or this person wasn't where they were supposed to be. It's very like, hey, we did pretty good together or we can improve for next time. Yeah, I I agree with what you're saying there, Beth, because I know it's a critique on our own end. When the officers get to mm-hmm. see that stuff, sometimes they may have a question and not understand why the school's doing things that way, but then vice versa, the school may not understand why the cops are coming that way. So that's been really good on both sides. We've learned a lot from them, and they've also learned from us. Yeah, and I think Beth had alluded to that earlier when she said uh, – we all tend to look at things completely from our perspective, whether it's law enforcement or education. So by having working together, you kind of are look you're, you're looking at things from a different perspective sometimes. Mhm. Absolutely. Yep. Uh, so, uh, any recommendations uh, on your part, uh, Gary, for another say a, a police department's looking to work with their school district? I I would just urge that if you don't have a relationship with your superintendent and your schools. 
I would urge that you somehow try to to break that barrier and get in there and do it, whether just like Beth said, meet with a cup of coffee or yourself and and start that way and and you know take the baby steps to get into it. I know you can't go in there beating on your chest thinking that you know everything because I trust me, I don't know a lot of things in the school, but Beth and all her cohorts they've educated us big time to understand a lot of things as to how we can handle things when we go there and vice versa, you know, how they can work with us so we can all all work together. It's it's I think no matter how many times you practice and you do things, we always find like a little issue that we can mm-hmm. always fix on both sides. And as long as everybody's egos can fit in a room, I think you're good. Uh, I think, <laughs> Beth, am I right or wrong with that? I mean, there's times that, that things happen, and we all got to fit in that room. Put put your ego aside, go in there, and if you may not like some things, but it, it's the way it's got to be for both sides. We got we got to come to a common ground. Okay, I have a couple. And I think the bo- oh, sorry. You finish, Beth. I was just saying. I think the bottom line is like when you work for a community like we do, and and it's it's. It's a small, wonderful community that we, we all come to work to every day. We care about what happens here. So, like, yeah, you do have to put your egos aside because we're all looking at it from the best perspective of the community members or the students, um, and that's what we're working towards. So you, so if, if people are struggling with uh, the police department or the schools, I think that's what you have to remember is that we're all in it for the students and the families. 100%. I just had a, I had a couple little short follow-up questions and one last question. Um, you know, we talked about the students and the staff and how they reacted to the police uh, presence in the school. Uh, how were the parents uh, about this? Uh, I know the parents aren't in every single day, but uh, was there any backlash on that, or was it positive? Beth, you want to jump I, I in on that? Yeah, yeah, I think it's pretty positive. Um, you know, back in the, the days when we used to have D.A.R.E. education um, so many years ago, I think parents started to see officers, um, their kids would come home and talk about uh, officers in the school. We used to have in our third grade Adopt-A-Cop. Um, each class was assigned one. So I think over time um, it, it happened, and now we're progressing towards a lot more. But I think parents um, – Again, just like staff feel safe, parents feel safe with the police presence. They really do. And um, and then it puts parents in a different situation than going down to the police station. If they see somebody in the, the schools, they have a question, they have a concern, it's a little less formal than going down to the police station. So I think it's a good outlet for everybody. Hmm. Uh, Gary, you have I anything agree. on I agree that? With, no, I, I totally agree. Beth would know more on that end. I mean, if she's getting feedback from any of the the parents, but everything so far that we've gotten was all positive stuff. I haven't heard any negative, like, why is a cop there so much? You know, in this day and age, I think people are happy to see police cars there and uniform presence and things like that. And uh, the two of you mentioned it earlier, but I know it's it's a priority for both of you having that relationship how do you filter it down to the rest of your staff in both the police department and uh in the school district how did you filter that down i know they they attend some meetings do they sometimes meet on their own without the two of you even knowing not knowing but being there um, no. they, uh, no, probably not i mean the sro um d- will meet with the the principals without necessarily me being there, but just the general um, officers, probably not. Um, but th- they'll see each other and they'll have dialogue. I mean, it won't be a, a meeting. But um, I think, you know, some of the, it's they, they, 
start to see our example of our close relationship and how it started, and now they have close relationships with everybody because it really was in the beginning those monthly meetings that everybody was involved in, and that has helped. And I and I agree with Beth saying there, but the other side of it is too with the SRO. She is in the station every day. She comes in, whether she's starting her tour of duty or sometime throughout the day. She updates us on what's going on there or if there's anything that we need to know special. Um, but also when we have those meetings with Beth, a lot of times, like I bring my command staff. So this way everybody can see how the dialogue's flowing. So hopefully that will continue on and on and on long after I'm gone and when Beth goes. You know, like this relationship will just keep fostering into better things. I don't know how much better uh, because I think it's, it's very good now. <laughs> uh, and one final topic I want to talk about. You talk about everyone setting their ego aside. One of the issues we have in New Jersey is there's a lot of jurisdiction. You know, law enforcement's here. Local schools are here. You might have a county prosecutor over there. I mean, so uh, how do you break through uh, all those jurisdictions to work together? Is that – Maybe the whole goal of all this is to not be so rigid with those jurisdictions, but to work together? Yeah, well, I think they got to drop, like I said, big thing is egos. you got to put the egos aside. I can tell you, Beth and I have just recently had a meeting where we had, when we have a brand new uh, prosecutor in Burlington County, he came in a year ago, Scott Kafina, and we just recently had a, a situation where I had Scott come down and sit with Beth and some of her staff along with me and other people, and, and my guys and girls, they deal with the prosecutor's office a lot. And I think it's great that the prosecutor basically opened arms for Beth. If Beth needs anything, you know, and the police department, we knock on wood. I don't think any of us have had that issue down this way. Am I correct mm -hmm. with that, Beth? I mean, it's been yeah, good. Yeah, we haven't. No, and we have a great school board. We also have a great town council, um, and I think that's important. Um, you know, and if you have towns that have a lot of that political conflict, I think that's where you may run into this more than somewhere like Maple Shade, that we, we don't have that conflict. Okay. That's bringing us to the end of the program, if anyone has. Uh, do you have any final thoughts before we go? Because I think the message here is uh, uh, – check the eagles at the door and come and work together for the safety of the students and staff. So uh, any uh, final uh, comments, Gary? No, I 100% I, what you just said. You just summarized it real good. Uh, we just got to put the egos aside, get together and get down and roll up the sleeves and, and, and start. It, it's, it's smooth. Once you get that, break that barrier, it, it just goes smooth. I agree. Okay, I'd like to thank uh, Beth Norsha, who's the superintendent of the school district of Maple Shade, uh, and the police chief from Maple Shade, and also the president of New Jersey Association of Chiefs of Police, uh, Gary Gubby. Thank you both for joining us, and that brings us to the end of the program. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you.